0: Hey super friends, my name is Neil and welcome to this, episode 62 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio, direct to your speakers. I am of course joined by my very own boy wonder, Martin. Say hello Martin. Hello Martin. need to put my teeth in for a second there, I nearly, I'm losing my voice and I'm stumbling over my words. How are you doing today? I'm alright. We've had three weeks off, whoops, not... Our fault, though. Uh, we realised when we came to record an episode of the podcast just last week that actually we couldn't talk about anything. Because we've seen Venom, which only just lifted the embargo. I'd interviewed Kami uh, Garcia and Gabriel Piccolo for Teen Titans' Beast Boy Loves Raven, which you will hear shortly. And that was under embargo until the book came out, which was just yesterday. And... I feel like everything that we've seen or done, we were literally not legally allowed to talk about. So we had to take an extra week off. But here we are. We are back. We're going to do things a little differently today. We're going to do a quick roundup of some of the biggest news stories from the last couple of weeks. And then we're going to hand it over to Cammy and Gabriel to talk about Beast Boy Loves Raven, which is a brand new. Why, a graphic novel from DC Comics, which is available now in digital and in print, where all good books are sold. It is the third in the Teen Titans series, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. First of all, let's dive into the headlines. First up is a double whammy of news from the Wizarding World. Warner Brothers confirmed just a couple of weeks ago that the third film in the Fantastic Beasts franchise is gonna be subtitled The Secrets of Dumbledore. They have since confirmed that the film will release one week earlier in the UK and Ireland. So in the US it's gonna be releasing on April the 15th, 2022, and it's now been revealed it will release here in the UK on April the 8th, 2022. I have a short synopsis before I throw over to the Potter superfan over opposite me to talk about this. But the synopsis that we've got reads, Professor Albus Dumbledore knows the powerful Dark Wizard Gellert Grindelwald is moving to seize control of the Wizarding World. Unable to stop him alone, he entrusts Magizoologist—that's not easy to say—Newt Scamander to lead an intrepid team of wizards, witches, and one brave Muggle baker on a dangerous mission where they encounter old and new beasts and clash with Grindelwald's growing legion of followers. But with the stakes so high, how long can Dumbledore remain on the sidelines? Boy, wonder. Huge fan of Harry Potter. What do we think of this news?
1: I don't know. I wasn't a fan of the second one. What was the second one called? I can't remember what it was called.
0: Something about Grindelwald? Crimes of Grindelwald? Crimes um, of Grindelwald. So, I don't know. Did we see Crimes of Grindelwald at the cinema?
1: Oh, we've seen them both for the midnight screenings. we? have had we? this discussion. We'll no. do it in Edinburgh.
0: I don't think we saw the... I feel like I didn't see the second one at the cinema somehow.
1: No, I don't think I did see the cinema. There it is. I saw it on, on the DVDs. <laughs>
0: Which says a lot, because you're a huge Harry Potter fan.
1: I know, it's bizarre.
0: What is it that you're not so keen on about Fantastic Beasts franchise? I don't know, I liked the first one, it was alright,
1: but I don't know. For want of a
0: better phrase, does it not quite have the magic of uh, Harry Potter? uh, As you read it there,
1: swishing your wand about. Um, I don't know, I don't know what it is. It doesn't quite match up with the films, when you look at Jude Law as Dumbledore.
0: Because he's smartly dressed and not in dishevelled robes. You know,
1: there's not that much of a time jump between the films. To think he goes from Jude Law to very, very, very old man with big long beard and a pointy hat.
0: Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Yeah, it's quite a it's quite a leap mm. visually. So, is there really not that long between? How uh, how is how is that the case? Explain to me. I need some timeline explanation.
1: Uh, I think it's like forty years or something. It's a
0: rough 40 years then.
1: For a wizard, it's not that long. A wizard? A wizard.
0: Okay, so what was it you liked about the first one that didn't like so much about the second one then?
1: So the first one, it was nice because it was a a single standalone story of Newt Scamander and the fantastical beasts. And I liked that. I I liked the world
0: building. Am I right in thinking that in the world of Harry Potter, the book Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is written by Newt Scamander?
1: Yeah, so it's the textbook of... Mm,
0: that they study in, in Fantastic Hogwarts. Beasts, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So I liked that. I liked the world building. I liked seeing the American Wizards, and that was good. And then the second film, do you know, I can't even remember what happened. I know it went a bit sort of European. There was a Flash. There was a pirate. Oh, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Pirate Johnny Depp, who's now gone. Yes. Hopefully. So Johnny
0: Depp is replaced in this film uh, as Gellert Grindelwald by uh, the... And I actually really like this casting, so... Ignore the circumstances as to why that happened, but I'm very happy with this. But he's been replaced by Mads Mikkelsen.
1: I mean, he's a good villain. Mm. He'd be a good man in the role. It's just a yeah. shame that he wasn't in the role to begin with.
0: So cast list is Eddie Redmayne, Catherine Watterson, Dan Fogler, Jude Law, Ezra Miller, who are all returning. They'll be joined by Jessica Williams, Alison Sudol, and Mads Mikkelsen is the official cast list.
1: Well, that's good. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this film performs. It's been a roller coaster for it. The second one didn't do very well. Johnny Depp's been
0: bad. Lots of rumours about this one having problems filming as well in like last minute script changes, heavy reshoots. But all those things are done to try and correct things that might be wrong. So they're obviously working to try and make it the best film they can. Yeah.
1: Who was the writer
0: on this film? Jocko Rowling.
1: Yeah. But they brought the man in who did the films. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, they're like the Harry Potter films, because I know they were a good writing duel.
0: And this is being written... Oh, sorry, this is being directed by David Yates as well, who's directed Harry Potter's before.
1: Okay, so, you know, we'll see what happens, but... I
0: say that confidently, I've not double-checked, but I believe he did. We'll see what happens. I mean, I
1: think it's probably not going to have the same audience pool, I would imagine, because of the names that have been associated with it, but we will have to wait and see.
0: Just to confirm that David Yates directed uh, Harry Potter... Sorry, he directed directed all of the Fantastic Beasts movies Um, and he also directed Deathly Hallows Part 2, Part 1, Half-Blood Prince and Order of the Phoenix oh so basically he's done the back half of Harry Potter and all of Fantastic Beasts
1: Order of the Phoenix was my favourite
0: Keep your eyes peeled it probably won't be too long until we get a trailer for this one with it due in uk cinemas on april the 8th 2022 next up is a huge story for fans of doctor who the franchise is approaching its 60th anniversary in 2023 and mm-hmm. the 60th anniversary mm-hmm. will now mm-hmm. coincide with the um mm-hmm. the, the first sea- season mm-hmm. do i want to say uh with the show's new showrunner so as we've talked about in the past uh, jodie whittaker mm-hmm. star of the current series And executive producer Chris Chibnall are exiting Doctor Who. And we now know that Russell T. Davis will be returning to the franchise from 2023 for the anniversary celebrations and series beyond this. So you will know the name Russell T. Davis for plenty, be it Queer as Folk, be it It's a Sin, any of his uh, most recent work. But he also obviously famously brought back Doctor Who when it returned to screens in 2005. He originally left the series in 2009 and was succeeded by Moffat and then by Chipnol, And now we're going full circle and he is returning. He does say, please don't ask me any questions about who will be my Doctor or what I'm planning to do, because you've got a six-part series and three specials before you get to me. So we've got a way to go yet. We've got another year of Doctor Who before we get there. It comes back to screens, I think, around Christmas time for this six-part series, and then there'll be three specials next year, which will be the the end of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor What do we think about this? No one saw this coming, whatsoever No, no one, not even the Doctor No, I I could never in my wildest dreams or predictions have said to you, I think Russell T. Davis will come back to Doctor Who What do you think?
1: I mean, I, mean, I don't know I mean, I'm excited, I mean it feels like the Who has struggled a bit since he left mm-hmm. off, I off Moffat was good And then it sort of.
0: There is definitely a feeling amongst Doctor Who fans that Chris Chibnall hasn't quite understood the writing of it. He's executed what is one of the best looking, or a couple of best looking seasons. It looks brilliant. The cinematography is quite inspired at the moment. The special effects are great, and musically it's great. They've got great score going on. They've had a really good cast. But yeah, there's something about his writing that's not quite clicked with uh, with fans.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, we've not even finished the latest series, have we? We've still got the last one to watch.
0: It's getting a bit stormy outside. I oh.
1: know. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll... we'll, well I'm so stuck we, there. I mean,
0: <laughs> we interestingly dived on a couple of anti-Doctor Who uh, YouTube channels that, well, I say anti-Doctor Who, anti-woke, anti-woman, anti-LGBT... YouTube channels that we are aware of just to see how they were taking this news because it's always funny to see uh, how that side of the internet reacts when something that they're always banging on about as being doomed does something interesting like this. And the first thing that I discovered was that they all think this is a PR stunt to try and improve the series. I really don't think that Russell T. Davis is someone who would do that. When you look at Russell T. Davis's career, uh, he doesn't really do things for the sake of doing them.
1: Did you not say that one of them said, oh, that means an end of woke Doctor Who? Yes. You're like, really?
0: The man that writes It's a Sin <laughs> and such wonderful inclusive shows like, what was the one on Channel 4 that you watched that I didn't? Was oh, it Banana? Cucumber, Cucumber Turnip, yep. something. Uh, I mean, the man is amazing when it comes to his inclusion and his characters. So, Oh,
1: years and years, there was a good
0: programme. Yep, years and years. Also a very inclusive programme that was very, very woke in respect of how it looked at society as it is right now across what ten years mm. that we're in that that was in that series. So yeah, it is quite funny when they're like, "Yes, it's a return to the cisgender white heterosexual male doctor." Yeah, but still, <laughs> sensibilities are there.
1: It's a return to the creator of Torchwood.
0: It's a return to the creator of Torchwood and the man that introduced John Barryman's penis to many people's shoulders.
1: I mean, I think Barryman probably did that himself. <laughs> But that's another discussion
0: <laughs> there's not really too much to say about this uh, the bbc director of drama piers wenger said as the 13th doctor prepares to embark on new and extraordinary adventures the winds of change are blowing bringing with them the news to delight doctor who fans across the globe we are thrilled that russell is returning to doctor who to build on the huge achievements of chris and jody thank you to the two of them and the team back in cardiff for, for all they continue to do and hello russell it's wonderful to have you back <gasps> welcome back to wales well, that's interesting that he says Cardiff, considering so much of it has been filmed in Sheffield when they do Earthbound bits. So maybe I don't know. Maybe a lot of the studio work has still been done in Cardiff and it's being shared between the two areas. I do not know. I would um,
1: like a return to Wales. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. It's quite, it is quite feels quite comforting. I'm rewatching Torchwood at the minute. I find the Welsh accent quite comforting. <laughs> I quite like it when Gwen Stacy shouts at people. So. Gwen Stacy. Gwen. Not Gwen Stacy. Gwen Cooper. Went to Spider-Man, Spider-Man place there, exactly yeah.
0: Different Gwen, she's not Welsh No, so yeah There's not much more to say about this, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled The next thing will be uh, casting news For the brand new Doctor, so that will be very interesting I think Bucky's favourite at the moment Is Ollie Alexander from Years and Years Which has probably gone up Since the news of um, Russell T Davies returning But what do you think of this news? You can find us on social media and let us know. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Get Your Comic Con, or you can find me at Neil Vag or Martin at Boy Wonder 89 No, oh, 1989, sorry. I always forget the 19. That's someone else. That was giving
1: me some who background
0: music. Thank you. <laughs> Last up in the news this week is the announcement of the casting for Illumination's upcoming Super Mario Bros. animated movie. So this film is currently set for a release in the holiday season in 2022 Universal Pictures will release the film in North America and international release details are still waiting to be announced The film is being co-financed by both Universal Pictures and Nintendo Illumination obviously famous for creating the little yellow people Minions Thank you, I was going to call them the munchkins The Minions So In no particular order We have in this film... Let's see who we don't have. We don't have James Corden. Thank God. As it trended on Twitter, though, he wasn't in this film. So, uh, we have... Chris Pratt as Mario. Anya Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach. Charlie Day as Luigi. Jack Black as Bowser, otherwise King Cooper. Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek. And Sebastian Maniscalo as Spike now I'm just doing a quick bit of googling here because I'm not sure who Kamek is let's do Kamek Nintendo oh is that his name do you know who Kamek is Kamek is the wizard oh. I, I've always just thought of him as the wizard Cooper
1: I thought you were talking about an actual actor's name of that. I don't know
0: no, know no, 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 no. So Kevin Michael Richardson is playing Kamek. I just didn't know who Kamek was. Okay, where do you want to start unpacking this? What do you think of Chris Pratt Star Lord as Mario?
1: Is this a real life Mario or a CGI? Mario? No, it's
0: it's a it's fully animated Mario. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. He's not <laughs> he's not breaking out a red boiler suit anytime soon.
1: I was gonna say like, oh god, that's a bit weird. But I mean, I don't I don't know. He's all right. It's funny, I suppose. It's not Italian.
0: John Leguizamo, who played Luigi in the 90s Mario Brothers movie with um, Bob Hoskins, has said he feels like this film is very um, very white casting for a pair of Italian plumbers. He said he feels like his film didn't care about casting. You had a British guy and and a Latinx guy as Luigi. Um, and he feels like, oh, you've kind of got two white guys here with Charlie Day and Chris Pratt. Although both are very funny, let's just put race aside for a second, but yeah, I struggle to hear Chris Pratt saying, it's-a-me Mario! (laughs) But then he then went on Twitter and recorded himself saying, it's-a-me Mario, and said obviously that's not the voice, you'll have to wait and hear it.
1: Oh, did he? Yeah.
0: Oh, dear. I could have a call.
1: It's-a-me Mario!
0: (laughs) Also highly racist, because you're not Italian.
1: No, I'm not. I didn't mean to be that. We'll have to cut that.
0: No, I'll leave it in. It's fine. I mean, it is. You know, he, for for years he was voiced by a tiny Japanese man. Was he? Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, Princess Peach, Anya Taylor drew I quite like that casting. Uh, I was about to tell you that she's from X Men's New Mutants, but you've not seen that film. She's also you've is seen that scary one, the New Mutants. Yes, that and took you've about seen the five years for it to come out. Yes, <laughs> you've seen the trailer for Last Night in Soho. She's the one that's in the reflection, long blonde hair.
1: Oh, that looks scary as well. She's a
0: brilliant actress, brilliant actress, so I'm interested to see what she does as Princess Peach. Jack Black as Bowser. You don't see much of him these days. No, you don't see much of him these days, so that's interesting. Keegan, Michael Key, the guy from Schmigadoon.
1: Oh, uh, he's, was also, he's everywhere at the minute, isn't he? Yeah,
0: also one of the hyenas in the live-action, I say in air quotes, uh, Lion King, as Toad.
1: Oh, sorry, I thought he's was a live-action hyena playing a Toad. No. But I caught there.
0: Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. So we're going slightly cross-brand Nintendo, but then Mario was invented in Donkey Kong, so that makes sense.
1: I'm not a fan of Seth Rogen. No? I don't mind him. Is he the man that's always in those films?
0: He's quite often in films, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like those, like, films. Super Bad.
1: That's the one, yeah. Yeah, I'm not I've Moved away
0: either. from it a lot now. It does more serious stuff and is also producing the next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Animated movie, I might add. Mm. Um I'm interested to see. It's a very interesting cast. They're all very accomplished and they've all got very distinct voices. It's just whether those voices match to the characters they're playing that a lot of people seem to be a little bit concerned about at the moment. Well, have to wait and see. That was some interesting dynamics there. I said a lot of people are a little bit concerned. <laughs> Well, that's like,
1: I don't know, a medium concern then. Yeah, there you go. A lot and a little.
0: They actually announced this film quite some time ago, and I've been waiting for news on it for a long time. It's taken them a long, long time to get to a point where they've announced a cast, but we do know that it's going to be with us in cinemas next Christmas, which is quite exciting. It's just, one thing that surprises me is how little you've seen Mario go outside uh, games, really. When you think back to when we were younger, so you had the film in the 90s. Ah, those were the days... (laughs) And there was there were cartoon series that went with Mario, well, I think pre-Mario 3, and then there was a Mario 3-themed cartoon, and then there was obviously Super Mario, Super Mario, Super Mario World. Super Mario World. It's a blast from the past. Yeah. Anyway, uh, which went along with Super Mario when the SNES came out. So there was there was a lot when we were younger, and there were comic books as well. I had quite a lot of Mario comics, which I think I still have one or two of. But really, he's kind of disappeared from mixed media since then and stuck to his computer games. So I'm surprised it's taken so long to get to a point where they're like, okay, let's put them back on the big screen.
1: Well, you don't oversaturate the market, do you?
0: No, but when you think we've had, think of how many like Batman films or Spider-Man films or okay, we've had Sonic as well, who's been out, but think about how like to wreck it Ralph's, we've had plenty of computer game style movies and things in the, in the meantime. It's just, it seems like Mario has been left very, very well alone, which is I just I find interesting when you think how everything's like a remake or a sequel Mario hasn't really had anything in that period of time so I just I don't know I'd like to know why it's it's something that hasn't been as widely mined as other properties have been Mm. but anyway I digress Super Mario Brothers will be in cinemas in North America from December the 21st 2022 and we will have a UK release date as soon as it is announced by the studio That's it for the news this week. Uh, On to a discussion with the wonderful author Cami Garcia and the brilliant, brilliant artist Gabriel Piccolo about their brand new release from DC Comics, Teen Titans, Beast Boy Loves Raven. So this book is available now in print and in digital where all good books are sold. As I said at the the beginning of the podcast, this is the third in the Teen Titans series. So it started with Teen Titans Raven, which came out in, I think, late twenty. Nineteen, And that was followed last year by Teen Titans Beast Boy So now the two characters are crossing over in Beast Boy Loves Raven And then it will be followed next year, excitingly, by Teen Titans Robin So they introduced Damien's Robin in Beast Boy Loves Raven That is a bit of a spoiler But they also, as you'll hear in this interview, are including Dick Grayson in this brand new book Ooh. The synopsis for Beast Boy Loves Raven reads, It seems like years, but it's only been a few days since Raven Ross recovered her memories, trapped her demon father Trigon in her amulet, and had her heart broken for the first time. But she doesn't have time to think about the past. She has to focus on finding a way to get rid of Trigon for good. Garfield Logan still can't believe he has powers that allow him to change into different animals, but the price of knowing that his parents kept his secret hidden from him just feels too high. And what's more, his difficulty controlling these abilities could have unexpected consequences. Both are seeking answers from the one person who seems to have them all figured out.
2: Slade.
0: Wilson. When their paths converge in Nashville, Raven and Gar can't help but feel a connection, despite the secrets they both try to hide. It will take a great amount of trust and courage to overcome the wounds of their pasts, but can they find acceptance from the darkest part of themselves, or maybe even love? So it's over to Cami, uh, Gabriel and myself to talk about this book. Hi Cammy, hi Gabriel. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. I am really excited to talk about this book. I'm sitting here with my Raven and Beast Boy in front of me and uh, the, the new one is on my <laughs> other screen, so I'm, I'm so ready to talk about this. How are you both doing today? How are you?
2: Good, how are you?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. If you can tell, I'm quite excited. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm glad.
0: We <laughs> want everyone to be excited. How, how could anybody not be excited? This, I'm, I'm so ready to see <laughs> these two come together. I'm going to come over to you I'm first.
3: Having, I'm counting the dates, really. Yeah, I know. The
0: dates. Oh, it's to, to see people's reactions to it. It's going to be. It's just going to be amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. It's
2: also hard to keep all these secrets about everything in the book
0: for so long. Yeah. Really? <laughs> well, I know. It's amazing. I had forgotten, of course, that there were preview pages for this in Beast Boy. So I, it was only when I was rereading Beast Boy a few days ago that I suddenly thought, actually, this we've been teasing this for so long and finally it's here. And I, yeah. can't, I can't believe how long it, well, I mean, given everything that's been going on for the last kind of 18 months, um, it's yeah. no wonder it feels like such a long time. But, how, I mean, how does it feel for you guys for this book to finally be on its way to being being out there in the world? It's really
2: exciting because, you know, this was kind of the, like, fun idea of like, maybe this would happen. You know, when I when I pitched the series, I pitched origin stories and group books, and then this kind of Beast Boy Loves Raven, which was the least fleshed out of all of the pitches. And so then when Gabriel and I did Raven and then Beast Boy, it was like, I, you know, I knew I loved the way those characters turned out so much. So I was like, I hope we get to do it. So it was exciting because we were excited to do it. And now I just can't wait for people to see what we did and see if they like it.
0: I was going to say to you, was this kind of an idea that you had back when you were right at the beginnings of this with Raven? Uh, obviously, the the groundwork was kind of laid there with uh, with Slade, and I can't help it just yeah. because I'm a Teen Titans picked, Go fan. I feel like I always want yeah. to say Slade like the cartoon. Yeah. I, I mean, I I
2: picked it from the beginning, but like I said, it didn't. This one had the least amount. It was kind of like they get together, but it had the least actual story development included in the pitch because i you know it was kind of like a maybe we could do this if somebody wants us to so that was also fun because once we knew we were going to do it like i called gabriel and there was like lots of talks about like what do we want to do what do we want to show what animals is he going to turn into (laughs) you know how are they going to meet what
3: seat is going to be yeah
2: yep so that was really fun because we really got to like you know, brainstorm it like from, you know, a really organic
0: place and that was fun. Something which I think it kind of going back to your original sort of pitch, the idea of looking at these characters as as teenagers and sort of focusing on some of their emotional journey and that kind of growing up aspect of it. Um, with them now coming together and you you know, you've kind of got the the slade storyline coming coming a, l- a bit more to the fore. Does it feel a little bit more difficult at this point to focus on the more emotional, kind of grounded aspect because it's it's heading towards more of a sort of superhero direction or how, how is that now that things are kind of starting to intersect?
2: I mean, not really because, like, I know that's what the, the, the readers love. Yeah. Like, I know that's what they're relating to in the series. I know that, like, that's what I wanted to see when I wrote the pitch and when I was looking for an artist, and I saw, ha- like, happened to get, like, the note. See Gabriel's work. That was the first thing I responded to. So I was like, I know if I get this artist and he does his thing and I, you know, brings this, like, kind of thing to life that I'm imagining that it will be special. So my whole thing is, like, you know, staying true to that. Like, making opportunities for Gabriel to do what he does best. Like, what do you think, Gabriel? Do you think it's harder as we're going on to, like, not I, get too superhero? I remember
3: when I was first reading the script, I remember that uh, both Raven and Beast Boy books, they have one thing in common, which was the high school women. Some, that there's a lot of scenes uh, yeah. when they're cool. And that's that's a very, like, yeah. it helps to, to make the story more grounded, more down to earth. And we didn't have that on Beast Boy and Raven. And I was curious to... to I was curious to realize like how, how was the, the, the scenes, the, the, the slice of life kind of scenes were going to work if we don't have the high school element. But it worked out very well because there was the sighting in Nashville, there was the hotel scenes that I found very very fun to work on, and there was the cafe scenes, that one of my favorites too. And and I think I think it's very balanced because we have the slice of life moments at the to top of the book and then on the second half things things start to go crazy and we have the more superhero y kind of kind of elements.
0: It feels like a really nice natural progression as well. Like right. you can you can really what from my perspective, you can really feel the the elements that start back in Raven and then that start kind of from their own perspective in Beast Boy and pull through into into this book. So I'm I mean obviously there are there are some ideas about where this could Go next from here, and there are there are. We'll get into a bit of spoiler territory uh, in a minute. Right. But um, Gabriel, I wanted to just ask you about the. You, you know, you've got a really unique visual style with with the Raven book. It was very much, uh, you know, you focused on the purple, and there wasn't a huge amount of color in there. And then with with Gar, you've obviously got the the green side of things. How is it bringing those t- kind of two unique styles together and making a world that still reflects both of them, but is also this? This kind of step forwards.
3: I remember we discussed a lot about a color palette on this book because uh, we wanted to make something really, really cool when these uh, two characters finally meet. Uh, I think the most difficult part was actually getting the palette right on Beast Boy because it was a huge step from from uh, yeah. grayish tones on Raven to the almost full color on Beast Boy. We, we were still following a color palette with greens with teals, but it was. Uh, it was a difficult job to make. And then on this book, it was easier because we just picked a color palette on Beast Boy and added uh, some purple, some some lilac, some colors that would reflect Raven. And then we just combined it, and I think it, it was very easier to work on.
0: It looks beautiful in this book. I really feel like you can see Thank a you. progression in the artwork. Do you, do you feel like you've kind of moved on as an artist across these books as you've been working on them? Definitely. Definitely, 100%. Uh, there's... There's this one thing with books,
3: that you as an artist, you just level up so quickly because you just need to. There's just a lot, a ton of drawings on a book. And I feel like uh, Teen Titans Beast Boy was better, uh, drawing-wise. Teen Titans Beast Boy was better than Teen Titans Raven, and uh, Beast Boy Loves Raven is better than the other two, definitely.
0: I'm looking at... I mean, I feel the same way
2: about my writing. I feel like my writing gets better because I also feel like the longer we know the characters and the longer Gabriel and I work together we it yeah. like levels you up that's just a really that's good point life.
0: yeah I, I was yeah. going to say obviously this is the third time you've collaborated on a Teen Titans book now how is your your process of working together evolved
2: um I mean I think it's just more collaboration like we collaborated a lot in the beginning but I think you know I I started as a prose novelist with a writing partner so yeah. I'm very used to collaborating but like you know, it was like Gabriel's first comic book gig, and he didn't know me personally, so I feel like he was like more careful, almost like about making suggestions and stuff. And then, right. like after we went on tour together and we knew each other better, and he like did with my family and stuff for Raven. Then I like you get him to just tell me everything because I was like make suggestions, tell me anything you want. So what I feel like part of the evolution. I just Yeah, or he's just like, I have this great idea and I'm like, do it. So I think part of it is just like the trust that you build with someone and just knowing that like he's going to be able to do what like, or sometimes I just put stuff in that's a little bit like hard and I'm like, but I don't worry because I know he'll like pull it off or he'll call me and be like, this is going to look terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
3: And and one thing that is very cool is I work with uh, um, layout artists Rob is absolutely, he's incredible. Uh, but sometimes I do have one different idea and then I want to change the page. Sometimes it's, it's a big change, it's gonna take some time. And I always like to check with Kami if the idea is good, if the idea is gonna work, because usually she's, she's okay with it, she's just worried that the dialogue is gonna fit into the page. <laughs> That's the big concern. But if, if, yeah. if, if it's gonna fit, I, I'm good to go. So yeah, because I because I have this
2: artistic freedom, you know. I try to keep the dialogue at a minimum, and the and I do not like covering his art. Like I know some people are like, "Oh, well, it's fine. we'll just cover part of the person or whatever." I'm like, "No, I don't want to cover the people." <laughs> so, like, I'm always like, "Will it fit?" Because you know, like, the last thing I want to do is like he gives me some great page, and then I have to like cover up part <laughs> of the animal or something.
0: That must be a really. So interesting. I try to avoid that yeah yeah, that must be quite interesting coming from the prose world to the comic book world when it comes to dialogue. I like it to because,
2: in. I like it because I hate drafting. Um I much prefer writing scripts. I like writing emotional beats, action, and and um dialogue. And I just think with comics, the trick is, you know it is the most pure, it's the purest of the form. It's like, you don't get unlimited dialogue you have to pick and choose and you have to pick the absolute strongest or most powerful way to say something and get the point across without writing you know two paragraphs right
0: yeah and I think I think you can see the the development of that again across these three books and the development of your partnership together and I think that works really well and then Gabriel with your artwork the you know the facial expressions are so Mm -hmm. it it just it communicates everything to you so well and i think that's why it's so so great about these books and i mean i mean clearly i'm not ya but i can't help it i just love these books but that's the thing is i i think
2: it's it's interesting because like whenever we have events we get just as many adults yeah so i think the key the key is like a good story is a good story, you know, like there's Absolutely. picture books I like, you know, there's middle grade books I like, there's adult books I like. So I think that at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is just tell a really, you know, good, relatable story about compelling characters so that, you know, whether you're reading it to your kid, whether you're an adult fan or you're a teenager, like you can still enjoy it. Yeah.
0: I uh, I remember I picked up my copy of Raven at New York Comic Con in 2019, and it was going to be my my kind of, this is what I'm going to read on the flight back to London. And it didn't make it out of the departure lounge. I'd already finished it by that point. So I was so uh, ready for Beast Boy.
2: So I want to dig yeah, into... Yeah, it's hard because like I said, I really do work hard to keep the dialogue at a minimum. Because I know there are a lot of even YA graphic novels with a lot more dialogue. But, you know, the, my approach with all the, the novels and comics I work on, the graphic novels, is that, you know the art is really my narrative voice. So like Mm. the dot, you know, like the art needs to do the work and I have to give the art the space to do the work. So a lot of what, a lot of my writing process is like rewriting themes to cut down the panels. Like I also know Gabriel does really interesting things with the bodies and the shapes and unconstrained figures and stuff when he doesn't have five and six panel pages. So the other thing is like how do I see panels to a minimum and show like, you know, give him the most active emotional part of the scene to draw? Um, so I feel like the back that architectural work is the stuff that I have to do like it's the most challenging. The writing the dialogue is like the fun part. <laughs>
3: yeah, my, my my background as an artist is uh, illustration. Yeah. So going to comics, it was very much uh, manage my time, how much time I could spend on each panel, and each drawing. Because you know, on a panel, I have to move on because the story is not going to be told by just that one panel. It's gonna, I have to draw an entire page to make sense. So that was very hard and uh, whenever I'm um, suggesting any layout ideas to Kami, I'm always trying to make bigger panels. I love bigger panels, I read slide, like those tiny, tiny, small panels that, that we can't see much. So I'm always trying to, to make the page like with four or three big panels.
0: I'm just flipping through the book now yeah, and, and I'm suddenly realizing
2: Robert that. A yeah, that, that's the challenge though, because he will say, is there any way, you know, now I just do it to myself because I know I can hear it in my head. But it's like, I've got six panels, how do I get five? If I have five, <laughs> how do I get four? <laughs> If, right. I, if I have three is the ideal, three or less. So it's like, whatever I have, it's making sure that those panels are absolutely necessary. um, And they can't be combined in any way. And then if they can, it's like, well, I have to rewrite my dialogue or I have to tighten it up because I've got to fit it in my panel. Right.
0: I want to dip into spoiler territory uh, for a moment. Uh, I was very excited when I was reading this because Robin is one of my favorite characters in the in the DC universe. And so, obviously, there is a character who was introduced in Beast Boy Loves Raven, and I'm sitting there going, oh my god, it's a Robin, we've got a Robin, which one is it? And then I realized it was Damien. So, can you talk a bit about deciding, I mean, because there are so many Robins, deciding why Damien was the, was the right one for, for this universe?
2: Well, obviously, spoiler territory, once people see this book in the end and see the cover, they'll realize they're actually gonna get too rough in a way. Because um there's dick is also gonna be um in the next one. But Damien was the natural first first person for me because um number one, he's younger and yeah. he like has a lot to learn. Like he's you know, he has a bad temper. He's like he has like more issues and mm. One of the things I wanted was for all of them, and you'll see Dick has kind of a different um, feel when he's on the page because he is a little older than them. Like I really wanted all of them to be kind of on a level playing ground where like even max, like everybody has something to work on. Nobody has it all together. And then also because there's, a, there's some kind of heavy stuff, I wanted to make sure that the pieces of the book that were maxed, and, you know, whoever would be with her would have have lighter moments and Damien's like a little me, like he's funny. Yeah. And Gabriel made him funnier. <laughs> His expressions are
0: hilarious.
3: Yeah, he's a, he's a feisty kid, but he's a, he has a good heart.
0: He does, yeah. I was just going to ask you, can you talk a little bit about designing him? He looks so cool. He looks amazing.
3: Nice! <laughs> I got, I think the biggest inspiration for that was, uh, George, uh, George, the end uh, from, yeah. Sons, which was my first contact with, 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 this character. Uh, and I, I love that portrayal of him and I love, uh, his dynamic with John. And then I, I picked up a lot of that specific layout. And then my, my work was getting him to wear something that was not a superhero costume, yet like not something campy. Like he yeah. has to okay. He has a, 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 a utility belt. He has a grappling gun. A, all that kind of stuff, but he had to look um, real enough. He had to be something. He had to look like something that you could see walking. a character that you would see walking on the street.
0: Yeah. And then obviously there is towards the end of this book there is a little hint of another core member of the Teen Titans, who we don't see fully, but we do get a, a little visual nod, which, again, you can see me smiling because I'm excited about where this could go. Is that a, is this someone we could see in the near future? We
2: can't confirm it, but it's definitely <laughs> a possibility.
0: Definitely <Yeah>, a possibility. <laughs> I always feel terrible when I do interviews because I always like to ask what, you know, what you guys are working on next. And it's always like, I, I want to know just because I want to know what you guys are doing because I love what you do. But so often when I ask people, you can't actually tell me and I just feel terrible asking the question, but I have to do it regardless. Well, that's
2: why I was excited that, you know, they're going to be also announcing companies from like for the last like three years. Between like my Audible stuff, my stuff for DC. I'm like, it basically looks like I'm not doing anything because I've like, I have all this stuff I'm doing, but I can't talk about any of it. So I was like, people probably just think I'm like loafing around my house.
0: <laughs> and the thing, and with, I was like, but I am working. <laughs> I promise you, I'm working. I promise. And that's the thing with my uh, my review copy because I don't I don't have any preview pages for what might come next. I don't have any hint as to what is next on my on my screen. Ooh, so the sorry. fact that
2: was I not supposed to say that, right? I thought I could tell everyone. Sorry.
0: Well, if you notice oh, that I, almost, if you noticed I almost fell off my chair, that was because you said Dick Grayson, who is my favorite of the, of, you know, pretty much all of DC. So the fact that you mentioned that, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so ready for it. Don't tell Which, it,
3: one's it uh,
0: Dick, Which ones, sorry? I, uh, I love Dick Grayson. You can't quite see it, but I've yeah, got a trio know, of Robins you know, on my, uh, my on my wall behind me. I've got a, I've got a Tim, a Dick, and a, uh, and a Jason on the wall behind me. Oh
3: wow. right? <laughs> Yeah. I love him. I love him so much. As
0: a person and as an artist, I love him. So cool. I, so I, I met him at New York Comic Con 2019 and picked those up the same time I picked up this wonderful book.
3: Aww. I picked those up too. I picked those photos
0: up too. That's amazing. So I wanted to talk a bit about Titans sort of a little bit more in general because I feel like you two kind of came into this world of, of Teen Titans and these characters when their popularity was really like just exploding. Because we'd obviously had the Titans TV uh, cartoon series back when I was a little bit younger. You had Teen Titans Go, which just a few months before Raven had been out on the big screen. You've got the Titans TV series that's in season three. And I think arguably you two have both been part of what's made these characters just explode in popular culture. What, what do you think makes them so enduring? Because they're, they're almost at a point now where they're like beyond the Justice League. It's like people talk about Nightwing and Robin and Starfire more than they talk about Batman and Wonder Woman at this point. What what do because you I think, think it is? They're
2: more human. They're yeah. like more relatable. They're more human. You know, they're not perfect. I feel like I love Wonder Woman like as much as I love Wonder Woman. But Wonder Woman is like a lot to live up to. Yeah. I feel like you the Titans are more like any of us could be them. More, more so than obviously someone like Wonder Woman. Um, at least that's what to me makes them um, kind of like stand the test of time. Yeah, that's a big thing for me. Like they're they're
3: figuring out stuff, so they're not perfect. They're not battling those intergalactic threats. Yeah, they they still have to like take care of uh, what's happening during neighborhood. I think that's what makes them more special. Like I I can see Beast uh, Boy checking a tiktok video. I can't imagine Wonder Woman or
0: Batman checking a tiktok video. So that no. makes them makes, <laughs> makes closer to me. <laughs> that makes that makes perfect sense. That makes absolutely perfect right. sense. Uh, well, so last question for me. What's next for the both of you? What are you working on at the moment?
2: <laughs> we can't tell. Yeah. I mean, you can tell once the 28 hits because it will be in the back of the book. Yeah. But other than that... Um, Something's coming everything up! Else <laughs>
3: Definitely,
2: something's coming up, but we can tell. <laughs> yeah, but definitely, and then, you know, like everything else I have that's not in the back of the book, I can't talk about.
0: <laughs> I'm going to have to run to a bookstore now so that I can pick up a, a proper copy and yes. read what's at the back of it. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Honestly, I've been a huge fan of these both of these books, and I have really enjoyed getting to to read Beast Boy Loves Raven and Chains. Both of you, it's it's amazing, and best uh, of luck to thank you. Thank
2: you so much for reading them. Thank you for reading them.
0: I look forward to, hopefully, many, many more in the future.
3: I'm very excited to know what you think
0: of, uh, of, of our Dick Gray because oh, be really good. I can't, I can't, honestly, no, I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks to DC Comics for arranging that interview for us. Uh, I even think I ended up saying it not in what you will have heard because I will have taken it out but I'm sure at some point I said I was actually quite nervous because I've loved both of their books so far and I really enjoyed this one Uh, and it was quite quite nerve-wracking talking to them because they're both very cool. Gabriel's artwork is amazing. We should have some of his work up because his Teen Titan stuff is amazing. I know we have our Robin trio from uh, Chris Anker but some Gabriel Piccolo would be pretty cool on the wall as well.
1: You have to ask him for some.
0: Mm-hmm. And Cammy's also got a Constantine book That's just been announced That's going to be coming out I think next year as well You've not had a chance to read this yet No We've talked in the past about Raven And also Beast Boy on this podcast though But you just don't rush to read them like I do I mean I've read Raven that was Have old... you not read Beast Boy yet?
1: No I've not read Beast
0: Boy Oh yet. I'm ashamed We're going to have to sit you down And really make you read these
1: I just don't have the time To sit down and read these things
0: They're brilliant I normally read them digitally On the way into work well, Oh, I'm going to have to buy them digitally then. That's an excuse if ever uh, I needed one. Yeah,
1: well, don't, don't rush because I've got a whole sack of things I need to read so we've bought digitally.
0: Yeah, well, you really should read them because they are excellent. Well, we'll add it to the very long list. And I now count both of these people as friends of the podcast. Friends of the family. Friends of the, friends of the fam. I think this book is absolutely brilliant. You'll be able to go over to our website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk to read my full thoughts on Beast Boy Loves Raven and also Raven because I'm sure I reviewed it, and Beast Boy Book as well. I am very, very excited for what they do with Robin, especially if you've seen the cover art where, with both Damien and Dick on there. It looks like it's going to be a really... Don't laugh at the word Dick. <laughs> it's going to be a really good book. All right? You realise we're going to have to start talking about Titans soon, because we've only got a couple of episodes left till the end of the season. Oh, I do like And that to. means there's going to be a lot of Dick. Oh,
1: well, I mean, you can't complain about that really, can you? What? You like a lot of titans. Don't make it
0: rude. You made it rude. I didn't say anything. Anyway, thank you for tuning into this short, sharp podcast. I really hope you enjoyed that interview because it was really, really fun. And this is a great book. I realise it is YA, but honestly, you like we said in the interview, it... Is it appeals to audiences of all ages because it's just such a cool honest telling of these characters and I think people will really enjoy it so run out and pick it up, read it and let me know what you think, come and find me on social media at Vag, and let me know your thoughts on this series and also Gabriel's amazing artwork because it's just so cool I'm pretty sure Cammy asked for him once she'd seen his artwork because she just thought it fit perfectly with what she wanted to do with the books so it's just, they are they are a perfect match and they clearly get on very very well as well that is it for this podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks when we'll actually be able to talk about the stuff we've been doing. So expect some Venom, expect some Why the Last Man. You can check out what happened where we went to the Why the Last Man premiere over on our YouTube channel because uh, we had a really awesome night there. But we've been waiting till we've seen a few episodes before we talk about it. Plenty more going on as well. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to see June. I'm going to see Halloween Kills. So there's a lot going on. And finally, we are out of embargo time and able to talk.
1: Is it Dune or is it June?
0: I think it's June, really, but I quite like saying Dune because it's like sand dunes. Hopefully, somebody says it in the film. Maybe. Until next time. Bye!